Chapter 5, Revelation is the key to transformation. God is the only one who brings revelation. I'm not sure how many leaders or followers of Jesus fully understand and comprehend how essential and critical it is that God has to reveal himself in us and continue to reveal himself in us if we are to be transformed into his image. Revelation is the key to transformation. This is the only way we receive knowledge that truly makes us free and changes us. Many followers know the words of Christ, but how many of us know the word himself? Jesus said in John, he is the word, and the word became flesh among us. In other words, the word became a life, and a life that walked among us. This life is to be in us. We casually teach people to read the Bible and get to know God for who he is. We somehow forget to mention to people that unless God reveals himself in them, they will never actually know him for who he is, but will only end up creating a God in their own version or image. This version is no good to anyone. Revelation is the key to transformation. The question that Jesus poses to his disciples when he asks them, who do people say the son of man is, has more significance than we may have ever realized. And Peter's answer to Jesus is more profound than we may have ever realized and appreciated. Matthew 16, 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? We then see the disciples give a myriad of answers to the... Stop. We then see the disciples give a myriad of answers different people have given in relation to who Jesus was. Some said he was Elijah, while some thought he was John the Baptist, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Jesus then turns to his disciples and asks them the same question, to which Peter responds, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The next two verses are essential for us as his followers. Contained within these two passages is a living reality that if we don't understand, see, and come into, then I personally believe we will hobble along in our relationship with him and never reach for the upward calling for which we have been chosen. Philippians 3 verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here is what the next two verses of Scripture say. Matthew 16, 17 to 18. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Jesus starts by telling Peter how blessed he actually is because of the position that he has received. It is an incredible blessing, honor, and privilege to know that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah in your spirit or in your heart, to know he is the Son of the living God within you, not in your carnal mind, but have Jesus reveal himself in you. This reality creates so much life and freedom within you, it can be hard to contain. Amos 3.7 Surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. The Apostle Peter was only changed when the Father chose to reveal the Son within him. These are his own words from Galatians. Galatians 1, 15 to 16. But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. Do we read this passage and move right past it without realizing the fullness of the truth he is making here? Do we not take note of it because we have no reference point for it, 
But when our eyes have been opened to this reality, we realize this truth is a deal breaker. We are arrested and apprehended by this passage. We are abruptly stopped in our tracks and find ourselves paying urgent attention to what we have just seen. Have you been arrested and apprehended, stopped in your tracks by this passage? Or have you just glibly strolled past it? I suggest if we haven't been stopped in our tracks by this passage, then we are yet to fully comprehend the reality behind what Paul is declaring here. Notice where the revelation of the Son of Man is taking place and who is bringing this revelation to Paul. The revelation is within Paul and comes from God himself. This revelation is of Jesus Christ himself. What I'm about to say might sound confusing, but I hope you can hear what I'm trying to communicate. As I said in chapter 1 of this book, there is a knowing and then there is a knowing. In other words, there is a knowing about and then there is a knowing of. We say, oh, I know God. I've been a Christian for years. I know him well. Well, is this a knowing or a knowing? How much is this knowing is transforming you into his image? How much life is being produced in you because of this knowing? How much of your life is the demonstration of his life because of your knowing of him? The life revelation brings. 1 John 2, verse 5 and 6. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. This is what we are to judge ourselves by. Are we walking in the manner in which he walked? Do we have the evidence to back up the bold statements we make? As I said at the start of this chapter, I meet many followers who know the words of Christ, but how many know the word himself within them? They know about Christ at best, but they still don't know Christ and their inability to walk in the manner in which he walked is the evidence of the position of lack. I don't say this to be critical, but to speak what I see. If we don't know our true state, how will we ever move towards the reality Christ died for us to come into and live from? To profess a reality you aren't living out is hypocrisy. When we measure ourselves by ourselves, we will never measure ourselves accurately, but we will still seem to do this anyway. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12. For we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. But when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. The scary thing is we don't even realize we are doing this. We end up comparing ourselves with ourselves, and then we do this, we score ourselves higher than what we ought to. It's human nature to do this. We have ultimately bought into a counterfeit version of him, where what we say and how we live are separate. We are people who are always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of truth. 2 Timothy 3 verse 7. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. We see Jesus teaching Peter that he builds his church, which are his people, upon the revelation of the rock, the Christ. In other words, Jesus builds his people on the knowledge of who he is, who he is in fact and is. And this knowledge is being revealed by the Father into our hearts and minds. Revelation is the key to transformation. King David declared that he wanted truth in his innermost being. And if King David wanted truth in his innermost being and God regarded him a man after his own heart, 
then certainly we would also want truth in our innermost being, in the spirit of our heart and mind. Jesus then says the people that are being built on this revelation of him within them or this true knowledge of him will not be overpowered by the gates of Hades. Coming into the reality of truth. Jesus right here is declaring his reality for his people. Numbers 23, 19 declares how God doesn't lie and that what he shares is the truth and we have to come into this truth. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? We are not to judge God's truth and his reality for us with our current reality, circumstance, or feelings. God's truth defines God's truth, period. He says the church that he builds through the revelation of himself is the church that the gates of Hades will not overpower. The question I then pose is, are we this church that the gates of Hades won't overpower? Are we the church that is able to demonstrate love, mercy, grace, patience, and power because of the revealed position of Jesus we are carrying within us? Are we living in and from the promise of the promiser? Or are we being led by our flesh, which keeps us consumed with ourselves, never being able to be and become the demonstration I mentioned? Do we listen to our own voice and the voice of our adversary and believe all the lies he speaks about us, lies that keep us small and insignificant? Do we believe we will never receive what God has for us so we never go after what he has for us in the spirit? We are to be a people of abundance of spirit and a people of an overflowing measure of life. Jesus promises us this reality if we are being built on the true knowledge of him in us. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16 teaches that our outer man is decaying, but our inner man is being renewed day by day. Can we give living testimony of this? I can give testimony to getting older and feeling my body ache and groan, but can I give testimony to the latter? Can I say, yes, my inner man is being renewed day by day because of the revelation of his truth I am receiving by faith? Do we have more and more of Christ's life being formed in us through revelation? And because of this formation, we're able to be the demonstration of his life. Certainly, this demonstration is the wisdom of God and not my own ability to learn something and then reiterate this knowledge to others in a very articulate way. If the latter is wisdom and knowledge, then the Apostle Paul was lying and in severe trouble as he told us he wasn't a man of skilled speech, but he was a man with a knowledge that birthed life. 2 Corinthians 11, 6. But even if I am unskilled in speech, you know, I'm not so in knowledge. In fact, in every way we have made this evident to you in all things. Operating systems. I want us to notice Matthew 16, 17, and the words that say flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. What does flesh and blood represent? Flesh and blood represent an operating system. There are only two operating systems that are present, the operating system of flesh, or the operating system of the Spirit. All of man's attempts in the natural to come to know God are of the flesh. Flesh and blood represent everything of the physical or the flesh. Just as you can't enter the kingdom of God without being born of the Spirit of God, neither can you know God without God revealing himself in us. Who was it again who revealed to Peter that Jesus was in fact the Christ, the Messiah? It was the Father. And where is the Father position? In heaven. Do you mean to tell me the Father can reveal his Son within us from the spiritual domain he resides in? 
Yes, because this is the role the Holy Spirit has been given. Can any one of us change our own hearts? No. Can any one of us change anyone else's heart? No. Can any of us heal another in our own ability and strength? No. Can any one of us reconcile another person back into right relationship with God? No. Can any one of us do anything of eternal value in our own ability and strength? No. So why on earth do we think we can know who God actually is without God himself revealing who he is within us? The simple answer is we can't. This is the role of the Holy Spirit. He is to lead us into all truth. Revelation is the key to transformation. God doesn't give us this ability to know him without him. Because if we could get to know him without him, imagine what man would do with this power. There is only one way to come to know him, and that is through the power of revelation. Yet so many of his followers profess to know him really well. But when it comes to being the demonstration of this wisdom, there seems to be a lack of evidence to support this knowledge. It's the evidence in a court case that will either convict a person of a crime or not. It's the evidence of the truth operating in and through our lives which determines our true, authentic knowledge of Jesus Christ. Nothing more and nothing less. We can keep all the commandments under the sun and we can be out there running around for Jesus, serving the poor, reaching the lost, healing the sick, speaking in tongues, etc. But we are not in this true, authentic state of being the demonstration of Jesus then I suggest we are not abiding in the true knowledge of who he actually is. John 15, 7-8 If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Once again, I want to remind us of the fact that flesh and blood cannot reveal Jesus in us. Flesh and blood cannot reveal God in us. It is the Spirit who can lead us into the truth, the true knowledge of Jesus, which makes a person free. Matthew 11, verse 27, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. The acquisition of knowledge. With this in mind, I want to ask us all a question. How have we acquired our knowledge of Jesus? Was it and is it through God revealing himself in us or was it and is it through the agency of the flesh and blood? What operating system has our knowledge come from? As I have mentioned, flesh and blood are man's attempts to come to know God without God. We do this by reading or meditating on the Bible without the illumination and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We spend our time accumulating factual information about God and we look into the meaning of words. We study the Greek and the Hebrew and all the commentaries we can get our hands on in relation to his word, because by this we think we have acquired true knowledge, when in fact all we have done is acquire information in our minds about a person we are to know intimately in our hearts. Our minds get all entangled and twisted as we pursue this knowledge of God intellectually. All that this way of operating does is lead us into a false reality which we perceive to be real. This is a very dangerous position to be in as his followers and is ultimately leads to spiritual pride and righteousness. You have developed a haughty spirit, which is one that lords over others and ultimately quenches and kills the spirit. If God doesn't reveal all this knowledge within us, then this is not a knowledge that produces his life of the spirit within us. 
which ultimately means it is worthless. It will have the opposite effect of what a true knowledge of Jesus Christ is supposed to have. Instead of creating the spirit of humility within us, blessed are the poor in spirit, it creates a pride-filled, arrogant, self-centered, self-reliant, and self-consumed person. Why is this the case? Because we have attempted to understand God's word through our own ability to understand it. This ability is flesh and blood. One of the worst things we could do in trying to understand what is written in this book would be to try and understand it through the agency of flesh and blood. If this is how we operate, then all we are doing is collecting factual information again about Jesus. And none of the so-called knowledge has the impact in us nor produces the life through us that it is supposed to. Flesh and blood also attempts to build the church without God. And this is called empire building. Rather than allowing the kingdom to be built and established within our hearts and minds through the revelation that the Father brings into his people, we try all of our own ways to accomplish this work. Operating from this flesh and blood system as leaders will have us building his church our way while using his name. This is what I personally believe blasphemy is, using God's name to accomplish your own agenda. Leaders and followers who build according to this fleshly operating system rather than the revelation of the Spirit, constantly find themselves in a position of unrest. They find themselves operating out of their own strength and are constantly tired and exhausted. They have to keep all the plates spinning, hoping they won't crash all around them. There is nothing wrong with being busy and being full on for Christ as long as that full on life is lived from a place of His rest and power. Paul said he was accomplishing his assignment that was God-given according to the power of God that was mightily working within him. Colossians 1, 28-29 We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. The operating system of flesh and blood, or the natural, tends to build and create very consumeristic communities. Flesh and blood constantly create more and more programs and finds itself being entertainment-focused to keep the people satisfied and keep them coming. This creates a massive burden and toll on all those who have to perform in this way, which ultimately leads to burnout, exhaustion, and spiritual abuse. Leaders and followers who lead from flesh and blood are more often than not in fear of their fellow man, and tend to strive to please man rather than striving to please God. Leaders and followers of the flesh tend to be very dictatorial and shy away from true discipleship environments. They walk this journey out on their own and very rarely submit themselves to the true discipleship process of walking with and being accountable to others. Leaders and followers who operate from this operating system of the flesh and blood tend to not be satisfied with how God builds his own church, because it doesn't align with the way they think he builds. It certainly doesn't match their time frames in which things must be accomplished, so they decide they should give him a hand. Leaders in the body of Christ who operate from a flesh and blood operating system tend to have their relationship with Christ defined by their function for Christ rather than his love operating within them as their first place position. This leads them to view people as assets, commodities, and resources, as opposed to fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, whom they are to love as Christ loves. When these people aren't performing the way the leader thinks they should, they are done away with and moved aside. This may be you right now. 
Are you this type of leader experiencing the things I mentioned here? Are you living from his rest because he is in you and you are in him? Are you leading from his power from within you, bringing you into an alignment with how Christ builds his church in the spirit? Are you a follower who has or is being treated like this by this type of leader? We all need to take a look in the mirror and ask ourselves some powerful questions because there is so much at stake and an incredible life in Christ to be discovered now and in the future. In this next chapter, we'll be looking at how we must receive a living word rather than just any word if we want to come into this incredible life in Christ.